All right, let's check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. So much to talk about when it comes to vaccine mandates for healthcare workers. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Will we ever have a slow news day again? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What do you mean slow news day? What is that? Is that a relic yeah. of a bygone no, I, era? I, I hear they used to exist a long, long time ago. Man, uh, yeah, there's again so much going on and not just with the pandemic but i have to say the news out of ontario and quebec pretty shocking those two provinces have decided they are not going to require healthcare workers to get vaccinated in spite of the fact that a lot of those healthcare workers who refuse to get vaccinated are having direct contact with patients every day yeah, let's talk about that. So I thought Quebec was going to be quite tough on this, but it sounds like they're backing off now. No, Quebec was first, right? They were tough. And, you know, they said way back in September, get vaccinated. And they blinked. Uh, the numbers from Quebec's health, it was quite a performance, actually, by Quebec's health care ministry yesterday. I'm looking at the transcripts of his remarks. He, he didn't want to do this. He's really sorry. And he threw out one number that's incredible. There are 5,000 unvaccinated healthcare workers in Quebec who have daily, regular contact with patients. And the patients are just going to have to suck it up and run the risk because Quebec can't afford to put that 5,000 healthcare workers on unpaid leave so they're going to be allowed to continue working in the system. So essentially, these unvaccinated healthcare workers are calling the government's bluff in Quebec. They are. And it turned out it was a bluff. And, uh, you know, I guess you always wondered whether the healthcare system was really being run for the benefit of the patients uh, or the workers. And I think mostly the patients, most healthcare workers are vaccinated. I'm guessing, Simi, that a lot of healthcare workers are appalled by this. They got that. They have to work alongside these people. Um, You know, here, Dr. Bonnie Henry said, if you don't believe in vaccines, you're in the wrong profession. And I think that was putting it as clearly as they can. I've been critical of her from time to time. She's absolutely right on this. And it's interesting as well. Reporters went to Health Minister Adrian Dix yesterday and they asked him about the decisions in Ontario and Quebec. And he said, no change here in B.C., BC is still holding to the position. There are 3,000 healthcare workers or so on leave. The Ontario Premier, Doug Ford, cited BC as the reason he wasn't going to enforce a vaccine mandate. He said, which is true, BC has a shortage of healthcare workers. It's canceling surgeries and so forth. So he's not going to do it. But the word here in BC from Health Minister Adrian Dix is still no change. Get vaccinated or you're off the job if you're a healthcare worker. I mean, conversely, if you just look at those numbers, BC is doing well compared to Ontario and Quebec when it comes to getting healthcare workers vaccinated. Quebec has 5,000 people. I mean, think about that's That's a lot. That's a lot. And they have, they have 8,000. 5,000 of them are having direct contact with patients. Now, BC, in some ways, has a bigger problem with COVID-19 than Ontario and Quebec. On a per capita basis, our case count, our death count, our outbreak count in long-term care is worse than those two provinces. So one reason why the government may be standing fast on this is because they really have a big problem, a bigger problem than our 
those two eastern provinces with COVID-19. Ontario and Quebec have done a better job of managing the fourth wave than BC did. And that may explain why relatively um, BC is having to stay, stand fast on this. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you're wondering, Simi, is BC going to turn out to be bluffing as well? I don't think so. But you go around the province, and there are plenty of stories of operating rooms closed, uh, facilities stressed, uh, overworked healthcare workers even more overworked. I commend the medical association, the um, groups like the hospital employees union, of supporting vaccination mandates. But again, you go, uh, you don't really know how this is going to play out yet. Uh, as I said, I was surprised that Quebec, which went first, and then Ontario blinked. Uh, I don't believe Dr. Henry and Adrian Dix are going to blink on this, but I could be wrong. So we still have to wait for more on that. In the meantime, let's talk about the update on the whole forestry situation, the old growth logging. So we were talking yesterday about how the union had been quiet, but they weren't quiet for long. Yeah, they held off for today, the Steelworkers Wood Council. So the Steelworkers are the union that's now, the old IWA uh, merged and the forest workers are now represented by the Wood Council of the Steelworkers. So they held off uh, for a day uh, to react to the government's old growth deferrals. But, man, when they reacted, did they react? The comment from the Steelworkers Union, um, the NDP sold out forest workers, period. And this is from a union, the Steelworkers Wood Council, that bankrolled, and I mean bankrolled, <laughs> the NDP in the 2017 election. So $700,000, one of the largest donations in direct donations in the whole history of union and corporate donations in BC. Um, $700,000 bankrolled John Horgan's. Uh, well, the campaign that eventually made John Horgan Premier of BC, they, the union paid the senior NDP organizing staff in that election. So this is a, this is a union that made a pretty yeah. big investment. And the union comes out yesterday and they said these deferrals, uh, 2.6 million hectares, sold out the industry. And they also accused the government of bias, the technical panel that recommended those deferrals, four of the five members had strong, strong ties to the environment movement. There was no voice on the technical panel for forest workers or communities dependent on the forest industry. So this is... This is pretty rough stuff, uh, and and coming from a union that the NDP used to depend on to get itself elected. And that's the thing that I find so interesting about this, though, Vaughn. It, it this that change in the law that would subsidize now taxpayers subsidizing political parties is going to rewrite the narrative of how those parties are perceived. Yeah, you know, Simi, it it's well. What can you say? The NDP doesn't need the steelworkers anymore. Back in the days of union and corporate donations, we, the big corporations, bankrolled the liberals, bankrolled the Social Credit Party before it, and the big unions bankrolled the NDP. And the party depended on those dollars. As I said, in the 2017 election, its organizing staff was paid, essentially, by the steelworkers. But 
the NDP got into office and they got rid of union and corporate donations. And at the time, because it was the liberals that were, you know, out of office, of course, we focused on the implications of the liberals no longer getting the big corporate donations. It changed everything. Turns out it also changed things for the NDP. They don't need the steelworkers anymore. And they pretty much thumbed their nose at them this week. Uh, Urban environmentalists, uh, people who um, worry about old-growth logging, and there's lots of us out there, um, the union, uh, its workforce, the communities that depend on it, they're sidelined. They don't have the leverage they used to, and I think we saw that played out this week. You can only imagine the frustration in the councils of the province's forest workers. So what, what does this mean moving forward, then? Does it mean that the NDP will remain steadfast on this one, too? I don't see the government backing off on this. The, the, the big unknown, and the union did flag this yesterday, is First Nations. So the deferrals... The government announced the deferrals, but then went to the First Nations on whose traditional territory the old growth is located and said, do you agree to these deferrals? Because essentially it's your land and your trees. Um, so if a union, if, a, if an indigenous uh, First Nation would like to continue logging in partnership with a logging company or with the steel workers or so forth, they can say, no, we don't agree to the deferral. So the big unknown here is whether or not First Nations get back into this and assent to continued logging in exchange for revenues and working with unions and companies for investment. So going forward, it's possible what we'll see here is a realignment. But right now, what we see is that one headline from the union representing forest workers, which is the NDP sold us out. Wow. I mean, that's. did you ever think you were going to see something like that? Well, you know, one of the great things about our industry, Simi, is you get surprised by what happens every day. Uh, you know, uh, the Quebec government bows to uh, the anti-vaxxers uh, one day and the NDP right. sells out uh, one of the unions that was the mainstay of its political support going back to the 1930s. Also, did you find it interesting, because we've been talking about cruise ships this morning, we've got more coming up on that, that um, this industry is going to open back up. I wonder if it will ramp up the way it was. Rob Fleming, I think, said that they're keeping an eye on that U.S. law that we've talked so much about. Yeah, they are. It's a, it's a big deal. Uh, here in Victoria, we're getting ready to celebrate the return of the Coho Ferry Service across to Port Angeles, uh, which is next week. Uh, cruise ship industry, still some big unanswered questions there about how that's going to play out for BC ports dependent on stopovers. Exactly. All right. Thank you for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye.